to Book Solid. We're your hosts. I'm Soraya. And I'm India. And today, for a super special Halloween episode, we are going to be doing a bonus talking about the movie Rebecca that just dropped on Netflix. Spoiler alert! Hey guys, just as a heads up, we will be revealing spoilers in this episode. If you haven't yet read the book or seen the show or film, this is a courteous reminder to proceed with caution. So, just jumping right in, um, I know we have a lot of thoughts on this movie. We watched it together, and um, yeah, I guess b- before we get in, do you want to kind of just talk generally about some themes? Yeah, and I want to say quick disclaimer that neither of us had read the book, so we're judging this solely off of the movie by itself. Like, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, we had kind of like no preconceived notions. So if there's anyone who's read the book and you're like diehard, loving it, or <laughs> we get certain things wrong, just that's why. You know, we've only seen um, the film. So moving right in, I think the very first thing that I um, noticed and then actually wasn't crazy about was I wrote it down in my notes. I just said, I'm tired of the beautiful, clumsy girl trope. She's, you know, it's this beautiful girl, but they try to depict her as being mousy and unnoticed by most and unsure of herself until like the handsome, distinguished gentleman comes in and sweeps her off her feet and shows her how beautiful and wonderful she really is. And I kind of felt like that's exactly what was happening. Yeah. Like, we all know Lily James is a very conventionally beautiful person, so for them trying to, like, make her this little, like, mousy, unnoticeable, you know, girl lost in the crowd, it just, I wasn't buying it. Yeah. And I remember looking up um, some of the reviews after we finished, and from what I understand, I guess that's true to the book and the original story. Um, but it's just kind of troubling because, like, gender... So the issues with gender norms aside, just in terms of relationships, that type of codependency isn't really healthy. You know, like, it would be great if she could come to like terms with some of her own issues or just confidence on her own and not without depending on another person as like her lifeline to, you know, engage in this affluent community. No, it definitely felt like she sought his attention as validation. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this, you know, wealthy, well off, um, very esteemed man is interested in little old me. (laughs) And like, it just definitely seemed like a boost to her confidence, which like, I want her to have that boost in her confidence because of her own self. Right. You know, not not to be reliant on his affection because as we saw later in the movie when he started taking it away, mm-hmm. she did not react well. Right. Also, just kind of segueing into their relationship, we've talked about this, I think, off air. Um, so I have a lot of thoughts on Romeo and Juliet. And one of them being, and I know like this is true to, um, I think they're in like the 1930s. Um, so like during that time period, from what I understand, like a lot of relationships moved quickly, but like she literally marries him, um, Mademoiselle, like we don't really know her name, but she marries Mr. De Winter. Like after a week of courtship. (laughs) And I get it. She was in a a dire situation. She was, um, what what was her exact title? Like lady. Lady's companion. Lady's companion. And she was forcing her to move because she was bitter that she was spending time with Mr. De Winter. And so she was trying to force her to leave. So it was crunch time. Like, it was either leave with this woman who abuses her emotionally mm-hmm. to New York or stay here with him. So I know that, like, expedited the process. But still, she knew absolutely nothing about him. Mm-hmm. And we come to see why this is a problem 
once they get there because she's living in like this idyllic honeymoon mindset of how they first met and how they spent their honeymoon. And when they get to um, his estate, you know, things unravel pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting too, because like you said, um, she was in kind of a dire situation. I did not want her to stay with Mrs. Van Hopper, who was definitely emotionally and verbally abusive, but it's like, I just, honestly, I felt bad for her the first half of the movie or not so much felt bad, but like, I'm just like her life, you know, so she lost both of her parents. She doesn't have any family. Mrs. Van Hopper's awful. So now her only, I guess, hope of getting away from this situation is this man she barely knows. And the last thing Mrs. Van Hopper says to her is, you're not going to like it there, like tough luck kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So she knows something that um, Mrs. or later Mrs. DeWinter doesn't know. And then it's, of course, there's a lot of things going on with Mr. DeWinter's estate and that whole situation. So I just, yeah, I was just like, she can't catch a break kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about uh, Maxim DeWinter for a little bit. <laughs> he, um, he, so I wrote some of my notes before the movie ended. So it's at a point where we're still being led to believe that he was so in love with Rebecca And I just wrote uh, that he was not ready to remarry. He is looking for something to make him happy and Mm -hmm. almost replace it, seeing what he had. But nothing was working. Like, clearly, she, you know, we're allowed to believe at that point that she was not what he thought she was going to be. And he shows her none of the warmth and compassion that he did when he was courting her. And I almost Mm -hmm. feel like he was treating her like everything was her fault. Mm. uh, When um, Clarice sets her up with the dress and um just everything that's going wrong or all of his angry emotions oh the grandmother when mm-hmm. his grandmother was like who is this child like he almost gets mad at mrs de winter like it's her mm. fault and not like he's the one who brought her here right under false pretenses might i add yeah i think he it's like you said i it was way too soon for him to enter a relationship and I understand he's probably trying to distract himself and move on, but I he didn't seem ready. And that's, of course, before we find out how his relationship is going with Rebecca before she was killed. And, yeah, I just, um, like, so because they got together so quickly, once they were married and living together and stuff, I'm just like, are they compatible at all? You know, because I know, like, when they were, when they met at the hotel, in Monte Carlo, like they could just think there wasn't the pressure of marriage. So right. now that they're married, like everything was so tense. And like you said, it was like she could never do anything to please him. Mm-hmm. He was always comparing her to Rebecca. And I just was like, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's strange. It's interesting that you mentioned like their relationship before they got married. Um, because, yeah, once they got to the estate, I was like, they have nothing in common. They cannot have a functional conversation. They are physically attracted to each other, sure, but, like, that's not going to solve their problems. But it is weird because now that you say that, I think about the very first lunch that they had, they were out on the patio, like, hours after lunch had ended. I think even the wait staff mm-hmm. was like, oh, my gosh, can they leave? Just talking. Mm-hmm. And they went on so many outings together, the drives and everything else. So it's very weird that suddenly once they were there, you know, he wants nothing to do with her. And I imagine it's incredibly isolating for her that she gave up everything in her life to be here with him. And now he's acting like he doesn't even want her there. Right. So 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely had some issues with his approach, but then also her approach, and I think it speaks to their incompatibility, at least in the beginning. Um, she was very insistent on kind of figuring out what went wrong with his marriage with Rebecca. Um, I mean, not what went wrong, because of course she passed, she passes away, but like he's very sensitive. He doesn't want to talk about it. He closes off every time she brings it up, but she just kept pressing too much. Yeah. And I just felt like it was a little insensitive because I'm like, so if someone's clearly grieving, why do you feel like it's your place to force them to let you know like how they're feeling? You yeah, know? like it, to satisfy her own curiosity. She was willing to kind of force him to relive what happened, force her to tell her. And I, I understand. She's like, we're husband and wife. You know, we're not supposed to have secrets from each other. And I know she wants to understand what happened because she maybe she feels like understanding will help her be better equipped to help him. Mm-hmm. But also if he's not ready to talk about it, he's simply not ready to talk about it. And that was like, you know, pro- like perfect example number one of the fact that she should have realized he was not ready to get married. Yeah. If he couldn't even tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I guess speaking a little bit on Mrs. Danver, what were your thoughts on that character? Well, first off, she really reminded me in her demeanor, her attitude, behavior, the way she spoke. She reminded me of the butler from the Haunted Mansion. Like, even the way they, like, (laughs) held themselves in their posture. Um, She definitely, you could tell her deep love and infatuation almost I would say of Rebecca mm-hmm. um she like idolized her um yeah she was she it, it was it was abundantly clear even before we found out the ending I feel like that she loved Rebecca more than Maxim did right yeah and I think um like you mentioned with parallels to the haunted mansion um I know we both were talking about this when we were watching it a little bit but definitely some crossovers to uh, Mexican Gothic, Mm -hmm. just with the character of Florence and kind of her preoccupation with Virgil. And it's very similar to Mrs. Danvers' almost obsession, like you said, with Rebecca. I totally agree on that. I was thinking that as well as we were watching it. Yeah. But then the thing that I was kind of confused on is, you know, at first we're led to believe that Um, Mr. DeWinter, Maxim, that he's, you know, in love with Rebecca and grieving her death, when in actuality, we find out later, he hated her. Yeah. Um, So, like, why was he in cahoots with Mrs. Denver as far as, like, like, they still left all of her stuff perfectly intact. Both of them admonished um, Mrs. DeWinter for going through her things multiple times. So I was just like, uh... Yeah, because they both have a different, or they both had a different relationship with Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very interesting. And I mean, I guess he's keeping up this pretense so people don't know what he did in killing her. So acting like the grieving husband, so maybe that's why he's like, and also, like, I think you mentioned this off air, but the guilt of killing her yeah. could be what, like, is causing him to sleepwalk or making him feel like he needs to leave her stuff alone because, like, he probably can't bring himself to look at it. And then... I guess, yeah, as for his, like, cahoots with Mrs. Danvers or Miss Danvers, I can't remember. Um, Maybe, yeah, just to keep up the appearance of seeming like a grief-stricken husband to kind of push any um, doubt away and not make himself look like the murderer that he very much is. (laughs) Let's talk about that. So so he very much kills Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, it's because she insisted it. Um, she told him to take the shot, I believe. 
Um, at the time, he believed that she was pregnant with another man's child. We later find out that she had cancer. But either way, he kills her. And then Mrs. DeWinter finds out and is like, okay, that's fine. Like, as long as you love me. Yeah, like, she almost <laughs> is happy. She's happier to find out that he actually loves her right. than horrified to find out the man that she married is a murderer. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I couldn't believe how fast she was willing to overlook that in the name of, quote, love. I still don't think they know each other at all, not near enough to be in love. And um, just thinking about it while you said it, it's interesting because, you know, he admitted that he hated um, Rebecca. I assume Rebecca in turn hated him is what he made it sound like. So I wonder if Rebecca's, like, last act of, like, hatred toward him was allowing him to believe that he killed her while pregnant, even though she knew she was going to die from the cancer that she had. Mm. So if that was like her one last, he'll be miserable forever because he'll always think that he killed me. Ooh, that's some insight right there. I never thought of it that way, but it's true because it's like, it's one thing. Okay, so taking another person's life, that's one thing. But he took her life believing that she had another life in Yes. So what? Yeah. <laughs> and just the fact that, you know, that was like a an interesting twist that I didn't see coming. The fact that she, all she, but you know, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense because we know Mrs. DeWinter, I, I don't know her name before she marries him. She was just referred to as Mademoiselle. Yeah, it's never stated in the book either I read. Okay, yeah, so yeah, like we know her past, right? She's had a rough past. She just wants to be loved. And so I can kind of understand in her mind, she's thinking, I finally found someone who loves me. I don't care what his past is. And to that end, what if one day he wakes up and decides he hates you? Like, what's to stop him from killing you? Because he says he loves you now. He obviously thought he loved Rebecca at a point if he was willing to marry her. Right. And he even framed, you know, he brought in another woman. He was willing to just, like, her family wasn't able to properly grieve her because... He claimed that that was Rebecca's body to cover up the murder. Like, okay, so yeah, multiple so, times there's this lapse in judgment. Mm-hmm. It robbed that woman's family of being able to bury her, and it robbed Rebecca's family of being able to actually bury Rebecca. Exactly. And he didn't care. No, he didn't. I mean, he seems, he if anything, he's upset that he got caught, and now he has to answer to this, and there's all this, you know, the trial and stuff. And I will say, to be fair, there was that point when he confesses to Mrs. DeWinter where he's like, you can tell the police, I turn, I'm going to turn myself in. Like, I felt like he was coming to terms with what he did for like two minutes. Yeah, that was like a momentary break. Yeah. And then once he realized that she didn't care, he was like, okay, fine. Like, we're doing this. And I wrote down something. This is not really related. But something that he said that just annoyed me is when they first moved there and she asked him or she told him that she wanted to order some new clothes mm-hmm. from London and he goes, uh, when have I ever complained about what you wear? As if she dresses simply to please him. Yeah. Like, she just wants new clothes. It doesn't matter whether you've complained about it, whether you like it or not. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was weird. And I get it. It was a different time. But also, that doesn't make it okay. Like, right. Though it, it was messed up. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just... And the thing is, like, when she was... When, they, when she first moves in... He immediately goes off to London. Like, he kept leaving her. Didn't mm-hmm. want to spend any time with her. Yes. Um, at breakfast one morning, she oversleeps and she goes down and he's speaking with Frank. And she makes a mistake of asking him about his relationship with Rebecca. He abruptly leaves. Like, he never wants to be around her. So then it's like, oh, but now you have a say on what I wear. Yeah. Like, and he just never did anything to make her feel loved or included. So that's why he went for his... 
his declaration of I, I actually love you and I hated Rebecca to me felt so random mm-hmm. because he has not done anything to show that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, okay, what were you avoiding her for? What were you being so um, mean, honestly, yeah. to her? Like, when she came down in the dress at the ball to her for if you really loved her, what, out of guilt? Mm-hmm. Out of anger with yourself? And so, I don't know, there was a point where I was like, why doesn't she leave? Because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, just pick it up and leave. And I get she has wealth and luxury, but I was like, geez, at what cost? Right, right. And that was kind of a recurring motif. Um, I know Mrs. Danvers mentioned it, and I want to say Mrs. Van Hopper, but they kept saying, like, you'll never be happy with him. Like, you're never mm-hmm. going to find happiness. But I don't really think she cared. I, I just think either. she was more concerned with this idea that someone loves me, which is really sad. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> and the, the comfort and stability that that kind of life provided. You right. know, he, he was wealthy. He had this a huge estate and there's people there to take care of them she's going to be taken care of right she's going to be taken care of and i i can see that like i'm not gonna just be completely heartless i can understand and empathize with her because she again like she her um professional relationship with mrs van hopper was terrible that those scenes were tough to watch um but then of course at the end like you know flash forward and they're in cairo egypt and they're living their Bonnie and Clyde vibes, and I'm just like, um. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the ending bothered me. Those last, like, the last line, I was like, excuse me, what? She basically says something along the lines of the thing that you're willing to walk through flames for, and she's like, love? And I was like, what? You guys are in lust. <laughs> L-U-S-T, lust, not L-O-V-E, love. Like, I just don't really, and then it, like, ends with them in, like, this passionate embrace, and I'm just not buying it. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe maybe it needed to be longer. Like maybe if we had more time to really develop their romance mm-hmm. because I have to agree like once he revealed that he hated his ex-wife and he truly loves, you know, the new Mrs. De Winter, I'm like we weren't seeing that though yeah. for the first half of the film and then we have the switch and yes they're kissing and they're so in love la 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 she has his back in court you know Bonnie and Clyde again but I I felt like that wasn't established. Yeah I agree and also I kind of felt like the whole trial sequence was too short. Mm-hmm. I think I would have liked that to be more of a focal point because that was a suspenseful time. I was mm-hmm. like you know what are they going to do? Are they going to figure it out or how are they going to get out of this? And so um, even if uh yeah, and I get, I don't, I, again, I don't know how true they're staying to the book with that, mm-hmm. but I think I would have liked to see, like, the trial kind of drag out a little bit yeah. more. Because I think that, that could have been really interesting. Yeah, and then even the part when she goes to London, um, I get it moved the story along, but it was just such an abrupt little moment, and mm-hmm. I get, like, the whole purpose was to, I guess, kind of prove his innocence, but... You know, it just felt like things were picking up and it was pretty clear he was going to be off the hook. And then he was. And then the end. Yeah, I felt like we came to the conclusion of her not being pregnant and uh, being cancer way too quickly as well. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a two minute sequence. That's true. That would have been a good moment to really build that mm-hmm. tension. Um, yeah, I agree. One thing I will say I think I enjoyed the most was um, the visual aspect of the film, especially those first scenes when they're in Monte Carlo. It looked gorgeous. Like, it was just beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. And I can see why it'd be easy to fall in, quote, love <laughs> in that scenario. You know, you're surrounded by great food and beautiful scenery, and you're going on all these amazing dates. And so I think she kind of got swept up in that beauty and passion. Yeah. 
I will say after being in this pandemic since March and now we are at the end of October 2020, you know, this idea of traveling and vacation has been living rent free in my mind 24 seven. I can't stop thinking about just seeing the world. And so that was a nice little treat. I have to agree. So yeah, if any of you have watched it, please feel free to reach out, let us know, especially if you've read the book, you know, how true do you feel like this stayed to the book? Um, or even people who have seen the 19 adaptation from 1940, um, when, you know, what are some similarities and differences between this one and that one? So be sure to reach out on our Facebook group, Book Solid Podcast, and we will see you for our next episode.